Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. It's the mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's caught for a touchdown. We're here to help you win your leagues and win that cash. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts in the Morning. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, September 14th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds, the spitting statistician. And as usual, I am joined by my man, FSWA Hall of Famer, El Rey de Fantasia, the king, Scott Angles. Scotty, how you doing on a Friday? You know, people should have listened to us. The public was all over Baltimore. Both you and I said we would lean towards Cincinnati. They get it done with a 34-23 win. Yeah, and it was a tale of two halves, really, for the Cincinnati yeah. Bengals. They played spectacular in the first half and bad in the second half. And fantasy players who started Danny Dalton, unfortunately, <laughs> excuse me, I benched him in a two in a two quarterback league and uh, ended up regretting it. You know, they saw two halves from Andy Dalton. That's who Andy mm-hmm. Dalton is. You know, you'll get one game from him like that and then another half like that in a full game, but. Uh, I, I know fantasy players are greedy, too. You know, maybe if they were starting Dalton or Green, they were expecting, like, you know, like six touchdowns from Dalton and four or five touchdown catches for Green. Don't complain about what you didn't get. You know, uh, be happy with what you did get. Absolutely. Andy Dalton looking great in the first half, right? But struggling really to make a first down in the second half, okay? He does finish with a line that will make fantasy owners happy going 24 for 42, 265 yards with four touchdowns and no interceptions. You mentioned A.J. Green, who listed at one point in the game had three catches for three touchdowns. He finishes with five for 69, three touchdowns, as I said, all of those in the first half. But, um... Yeah, you're right there, Scott. In the second half, it was a completely different game. The Baltimore Ravens looked like they were able to move the ball. Joe Flacco finishes this game with 376 yards through the air and the two touchdowns. A great play to your boy, Smoke Brown, right? But then at the same time, he does throw the two picks and he does have the kind of sack fumble at the end of the game that, in my opinion, for all intents and purposes, really ended it. You know, I think what's interesting here, Scott, I would like to get your take on, you know, 
How much do you value game flow? going into a game, right? Or because it's 28-14 at half. And then as you mentioned, you know, in the second half, the the Bengals side of go away from the kind of their quick pace offense. They start to break it down a little bit. And Joe Flacco's in the shotgun the entire half. He winds up with 376 yards and his stat line looks pretty good, even though this game was never really in doubt. What do you think about kind of how game script impacts fantasy in this way? I think we're all well, well aware of it. You know, team falls behind. You got to play catch up. But Flacco's throwing the ball better than he did last year. Last year was just short, and you know, between the hash marks. But now he's got a better receiving crew than he did last year. And you know, I don't care what anybody said. He looks motivated, like by yeah. Lamar Jackson, like uh, like the same way like Alex Smith did with Pat with uh, Patrick Mahomes last year. Yeah, that is true. Remember, they said that he had like that passing camp with his new wideouts and his new wideouts. Listen, they are going to kind of, in my opinion, they're going to be another one of these fantasy herds, Scott. You know, Johnny Brown, who made smoke, who made the great touchdown pass, had a uh, catch, had another good catch on a deep ball. He goes four receptions, 92 yards, one touchdown. This is a guy that the King Scott Angle has been high on over the last couple of weeks, has been saying John Brown is wide receiver to half on your radar. Michael Crabtree, you know, has a representative game, 5 for 56. Willie Sneed is involved also. Willie Sneed, I think, is going to be that kind of PPR slot guy who gets a bunch of targets. He goes, especially in games where they're down like they were last night, he goes 5 for 54. But Flacco really spreading the ball around nine different receivers, um, I believe, had a catch in this game. Uh, do you think that's kind of going to be the way it goes, though, Scotty? Flacco continuing to spread it around. Is Baltimore something of a fantasy herd? A lot of options for Flacco to spread it around to. The three wide receivers, multiple tight ends, backs out of the backfield. You know, it's not like a high-end herd like the Rams or the Chargers or even the Lions, let's say. But still something of a fantasy herd nonetheless where Flacco's spreading it around. Yeah, I don't know if it's a fantasy herd, but it's certainly more respectable than it's been. All right. What about Joe Mixon, uh, Scotty? I think this is pretty interesting. Joe Mixon, 21 carries, 84 yards, didn't get into the end zone and got a little bit banged up, right? He had something that looked like a knee, they were saying. He was on the sidelines, but he does come back. I think fantasy owners have to be a little disappointed that he wasn't on the field more, seeding six carries to Giovanni Bernard, who also looked decent at times. But at the end, you got to like his 84 yards on the ground. He did also add one catch, so 86. Seven combined yards and a catch. Um, owners, you know, who were expecting maybe double digits uh, are a little disappointed. But at the same time, you got to be happy with the way he looks. He looks like he's going to fulfill everybody's expectations being a second-year running back who makes a jump. He looks, he looks good hitting the holes. He looks good making cuts. He looks like he's going to be a force to be reckoned with all season long. Yeah, he, he certainly is. Great vision, good balance, good power. Nice cutback ability. I think the only thing that's separating him from being an elite back is, you know, he never really takes off for a big play. You know, the speed is not there as maybe like some other elite backs. I saw a comparison to Le'Veon Bell this morning. I just think Le'Veon Bell has more speed. But, you know, Maurice Jones-Drew thinks of NFL.com thinks he's one of the best running backs in the league. You know, people got a little panicky when he left the game twice with a knee injury last night, but uh, he was able to play through it. Yeah, absolutely he was. Um, I guess my question for you, 
um, about the other running back, Alex Collins, the river dancer. I mean, listen, he had three catches for 55 yards. As I mentioned, Joe Flacco spreading the ball around in the passing game. I mean, everybody had to get, eat a little bit there because he had 376 yards passing. You know, so Collins does have three for, but nine carries for 35 yards. I'm a little bit worried about him in the run game. I know they were up and I know they were down big Baltimore, so they were throwing a ton in the second half. But you're looking for a little bit more out of Alex Collins in the rushing game because you probably have him as an RB too. Listen, the the five, excuse me, the three for 55 in the passing game kind of saved his night and gives you 90 total scrimmage yards, which you'll take. But what's your level of concern with Alex Collins? Nine carries, 35 yards. Yeah, with Collins, it was it was a little frustrating, and then you know Buck Allen getting the first goal line carry. I'm also wondering if Harbaugh didn't trust him at the goal line, uh, although he did, did get uh, carry one. Uh, he did get a carry in the second half near the goal line and got, and got stuffed. Uh, you know, Collins runs really well. He's got great patience. He's got great vision. He's got good footwork. He's physical. Yeah. He's just more talented than Buck Allen. But <laughs> you know, he puts the ball on the ground, and I think they're concerned about that when in very key situations. Yeah, I think that could be an issue. Um, so remember, as you mentioned, that's why they went to Buck Allen um, in certain situations in the red zone as well. So if you have Alan Collins, this is definitely something to watch. Last player I want to ask you about in this game, Scotty, is uh, Tyler Boyd. Listen, Tyler Boyd as this number two receiver, everyone's talking about John Ross because he almost won an island about a year ago, right, or a year and a half ago at this point. But Tyler Boyd had it, and they made the point on the telecast, okay, that Boyd had a decent rookie year. I think he had something like 55 catches or something in his rookie year, was banged up a lot last year, struggled with injuries. Now he's back healthy. Uh, They made the point that Boyd, excuse me, could be the best number two option they've had since my guy over there, Mohamed Sanu, as you know, Scotty. But um, is Boyd a thing? Six for 91 and a touchdown? Is he sustainable as a number two wide receiver for that team? Listen, the Bengals' offense looks better than most people thought. I believe it's a credit to that offensive line. But if this is the case, if the Bengals are putting up 34 points a game, the number two wide receiver has to be relevant. In this case, that's Tyler Boyd at six for 91 and a touchdown. Is he going to be a hot waiver commodity next week? I think he is, but I don't know how much upside there is. You know, we haven't really seen a lot out of Boyd. You know, next week it could could be John Ross. Uh, so I wouldn't be bidding too heavily on him in Fab just yet. Let's remember this is Andy Dalton. All right, fair enough. So it sounds like you were saying that uh, John Ross still has the better upside than Tyler Boyd. Who would you who would you like? I mean, our our producer right there, Chris Bavona, is asking us. You know, who's the better upside, John Ross or Tyler Boyd? Moving forward. Well, Ross has the upside, but there's no consistency or reliability. If you want somebody with a floor and maybe not much of a ceiling, then it's Boyd. Okay, so that's a, it's kind of different strokes for different folks, right? It, yeah. Excuse me. If you need if you need something that's like a safe floor, then Boyd could be your guy. If you want to make that home run swing, um, then maybe John Ross is your guy. I want to ask you something though, Scotty. One thing you said a while back is that you don't 
um, look kind of at your opponents. You don't look at your scores kind of in the middle of the week, right? Now, what we're saying, I would, and obviously it's not the case for right now with Boyd and uh, Ross because these guys have played. But what, you're, what I'm hearing you now say, Scott, is that Boyd is more of the like safer floor, the more stable bet, that sort of thing, where Ross is a guy that uh, will have more volatility, which uh, maybe could be more of a GPP play in DFS matchups, um, is more of like a home run swing. You mentioned that you don't like look at the scores and your opponents during the week, you know, because you're so you're, you're spread so thin and you just, you know, you, you, you just try to take that out of it, you know, but isn't there something to be said for what we just talked about, like the stable floor play versus the home run swing? Let's say, for example, you faced A.J. Green and you're down like 29 to zero right now. In that situation, don't you maybe lean more towards the home run swing kind of guys than the uh, stable guys moving forward? If you have a time to adjust, like let's say you're down big after the Thursday game or if you have an opportunity going into Monday night football, do you ever consider that? Maybe on a Monday night game, but I think you know the whole Thursday night thing is overreaction. Like okay. people are feeling like they, after they went against AJ Green, like they've right. already lost their game. You know that's one player in one game. You know there's still 15 games to go. Look, you feel like you're behind, but it's just because of the timing of the game. If you go against both Dalton and Green, you know then the odds are significantly reduced of you winning. Right. But, you know, I've seen it all the time. And I just saw Peyton Manning in 2013 throw seven touchdown passes on opening night and still fantasy right. teams lost if the rest of the team wasn't good. So you, you can't assume anything. People always say, oh, I need upside for Sunday because I'm behind. You don't. You, you still play your best players. Okay, um, but what about going into Monday night football? Let's say if you have options on the Monday night team and one of them is uh, more of a uh, boomer bust kind of play and one is more like a stable floor like you're describing, you know, like, like for example, this week. Like Deshaun uh, Jackson versus Quincy Inunua. Sure, that would be an example. I'm trying to yeah. think for this week, you know, it's Bears and Seahawks, right? Let's say you have right. a – Tyler uh, Lockett. Yep. Yep, let's Tyler Lockett you know. versus Allen Robinson or something like sure, that. Sure, something like that. Uh, that may, That's a great idea. You know, yes. Let's say you had a kind of uh, swing and miss kind of guy uh, versus the stable kind of guy. Does it matter if you are like, you know, da- going into Monday Night Football, if you're down 21 versus if you're, you know, kind of even with both of you having a player left to go kind of thing. In that situation, do you account for where you are in your matchup? I understand after Thursday night is a little too early but what about heading into Monday I was struck when you mentioned once before that you don't really check your scores throughout the week and would never really make an adjustment going into Monday night might that be possible usually I just play my best guys right it's unless the two of them are very close rarely do you have an instance on Monday Monday night where you have, you have that opportunity where you have the opportunity for to make a choice between two guys in the same game so I, I think, you know, that's, that's a rare scenario. It is. It is. It's just that, you know, like I mentioned, I was – It's I very was rare that I'm going to go into Monday night. I'm going to have both Allen Robinson and Tyler right. Lockett. No, I hear you. I, I, I was just struck yeah. by what you said. Like, you never really even consider that, you know, and I'm, I'm wondering if there are some circumstances where you would. Maybe it's going into Sunday yeah. and my, Monday My lineup is pretty thing, much you know? set on 1 p.m. Sunday. 
All right, fair enough. Listen, yeah. Scotty, I want to tell the guys over here, then go on over to BetDSI. Okay, they are celebrating 20 years as the industry's biggest and safest betting site. They have great customer service and fast, easy payment of winnings. You can play virtually every sport at BetDSI with hundreds of wagering options, including live in-game wagering on all major sporting events where you can make your play at any time during the game using the promo code FNTSY because BetDSI is offering up to a $1,000 bonus on your first deposit. Okay, so use that promo code FNTSY, head on over there and start winning today. That's BetDSI.com. Scotty, you know, it's kind of like this recency bias. I tell everybody I said it on Fantasy Freestyle last night going right into the game. Everybody in my chat room, all the calls and the stats overbeat cipher was like, Dane, uh, Baltimore is going to roll. Ba- didn't you see how great Baltimore looked in week one? And I was like, right. But that was when they were at home. Now they're on the road on Thursday night football in a division matchup, and the Bengals look good too, and they are returning home. To me, Scotty, it's this idea about the home dogs. We make our picks. We talk about the breading spreads all the time. You know, home teams win a lot in the NFL, and so there's always the thing about the home dog, right? If you get a home team getting points, a lot of the sharps know out there that regardless, you may want to bet it. And so, listen, if you bet the home dog last night, you want a little bit of cash. So right now what we're doing is we got a poll question up, Scotty. I'm asking the people, which of the home dogs that are left in week two do we think have the best chance of winning the game? Is it the Titans who are right now getting two points at home against your Super Bowl pick, the Houston Texans? Is it the Tampa Bay Bucks who are at home and getting more than a field goal at three and a half points versus the Eagles? Is it the Buffalo Bills who looked like a dumpster fire but return home and are are getting more than a touchdown at seven and a half points against the Chargers, or is it the pick that I think a lot of people are going to go with, the Jacksonville Jaguars, even though many people like them, they are technically home dogs this week at home, catching two and a half points against the New England Patriots. We'll see what people have to say about that, but when we come back, we're going to be talking to our folks over at Inside Injuries, people like Marquise Goodwin, Rex Burkhead, and of course, Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, they got that little red box next to people's name there on your fantasy website. We got to know what to do about them. We got to know if you can put them in your lineups or not. That's what we're going to do with inside injuries. Scotty, which of these home dogs you think have a better chance? Jags, Bucks, Titans, or Bills? Real quick. Oh, I don't like Jags, any of them, like but the I'll lead, lead towards Jacksonville. But you don't like any of them to actually win the game? No. No. All right, fair enough. I, I, can, I agree with you. There may be one team that I like to win outright. Later on in the show, we are going to make our three against the spread picks. We'll make our survivor pick as well so we can keep track of those guys. But when we come back, we go to inside injuries. We're going to have Virginia Zakas with us, and we're going to talk about all of these questionable people that are going to be causing you struggles in your lineups. Until Sunday, 1 o'clock. So come on back. It's Dane and Scott, Roto Experts in the Morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. There's only one place to listen to the best fantasy advice, and that's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. By downloading the FNTSY Radio Network app, you'll be blessed with having the top fantasy experts right in your pocket. You'll get award-winning and entertaining programs like the Roto Experts. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. Fantasy best friends forever. Yeah! Carton and Friends. Yeah, buddy. And so much more. You feel what I'm saying? Download the FNTSY Sports Radio Network app now and take the most trusted fantasy experts with you wherever you go. 
Welcome back. It is Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Our guy Chris Bavona, the manimal down there in the fantasy pit of misery, making us sound good. He's monitoring the phone lines. In the next segment, you'll be able to call in at 844-843-6879. And he plays some old school fooshnickens with Shaq. What's up, Doc? And that's because we bring in inside injuries here on Fridays to give us all the insight we need on these guys that have been limited in practice or with the questionable tag, because that's really the most frustrating thing in fantasy, right? If you have one of your studs and you don't know, are they going to play, what you can expect from them health-wise. So that's why we bring in inside injuries, and Virginia Zach is here on Friday. Hey, Virginia, it's our first time talking to you this season on Roto Experts in the Morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are y'all doing? We're hanging in there. We're hanging in there. Listen, let's get it started with the major one, okay? Aaron Rodgers is what we need to know about. Everyone saw on Sunday Night Football in week one, he get carted off the field, which is usually kind of the kiss of death, but then in like a Willis Reed-like kind of performance, or like uh, Byron Leftwich from Marshall, I would always say, he comes back, engineers a huge comeback as the Packers get that win in week one, and now we're, we're hearing that it's no layup that he's going to be active this week against the Minnesota Vikings, who were the team that ended his season last year. Um, give me some info, Virginia, here on Aaron Rodgers and that knee. Everybody's wondering. Yeah, so of course the Packers aren't really tell us, telling us anything other than it's a knee sprain. Um, based on how he got injured, it looks like an MCL sprain. Um, didn't practice the last two days. Um, we're showing an elevated injury risk for him, but we're also showing an above-average health performance factor, which means if he does go out there and play, he's at a somewhat concerning level of making his knee injury worse or suffering another injury. But once again, he should actually be able to play um, fairly well, probably not as well as, you know, he's not going to be 100% clearly. It's going to affect his mobility. Um, it's going to affect his ability to make uh, throw the long ball down the field. But he can play, he's going to be at a higher risk of injury, um, and they might not want to take the risk this early in the season. Leonard Fournette uh, saying that he might be a game-time decision. What do you think the chances of him playing are? Um, I'd probably say a little less than 50-50, but I will say he definitely should not play. He, we had him at an elevated risk before he hurt his hamstring because he has lingering concerns with his foot and his ankle. Um, now he's got the hamstring in there. Even if his hamstring starts to feel a little better, if he overcompensates a little, that could put more stress on his foot or ankle, cause another injury. And, of course, hamstring strains are easily re-aggravated. So um, we're showing a minimum two-week optimal recovery time, and that's if it is a mild strain. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about a running back, they obviously need those hamstrings in order to perform. Listen, another guy who – I want to get your thoughts on is Rex Burkhead. Okay, Rex Burkhead, New England Patriots running back. You know, he's in the concussion protocol. But, Virginia, we heard about this on Wednesday. Okay, so I find it um, I find it challenging, quite frankly, for him to get cleared in time for Sunday's game. So what, well, what I want to ask you, though, Virginia, is, you know, we hear about the concussion protocol. And we hear about, like, oh, he's going through the stages of the protocol. And he's going through the steps to get cleared. Can you, you know, not 
not only for Rex Burkhead in this specific situation, but can you give our listeners a little bit more um, insight on what are the stages of the concussion protocol? What? Do they have to be in a room with flashing lights and be okay? Do they have to hear crowd noise? Like, do they have to, like, you know, spin around five times? What What are the actual stages of the concussion protocol? What, what do they have to progress through in order to be cleared like Rex Burkhead? Yeah, so of course, first, you have to become symptom-free. Um, you never know how long that's going to take. Uh, just all depends on the concussion. So because uh, he returned to a limited practice Thursday, Rex Burkhead probably was concussion uh, symptom-free, um, all, clear of all concussion symptoms, returned to a limited practice yesterday. That's usually the first step of doing any football activities is getting in that limited practice but with no contact. If that goes well... Um, and, he, and the player reports the next day without any symptoms because symptoms can be delayed after returning to that limited practice. Um, then a lot of the time you're cleared for another limited practice, but you pick up your participation, or you can sometimes even be cleared for a full practice. And then that's typically the final step. But again, it's not like you're typically cleared right after you start to do something because symptoms can be delayed. Um, so, yeah, again, Rex Burkhead is 50-50 until he gets cleared. You know, it's Friday and he hasn't been cleared, so it's, it's going to be pretty tough to clear ahead of that game. What about Marquise Goodwin? It's not looking good for him. Uh, you guys were saying on, on your site that it's about a one-week optimal recovery time that maybe he would have had a chance, but he still hasn't returned to practice. Yeah, and we've actually changed this to a grade one injury instead of a soft tissue injury. A soft tissue injury is, you know, basically just a bruise or a, a mild contusion. This one sounds like it really is a deep quad contusion, which comes with a three-week optimal recovery time, which is much longer. So we've actually changed his outlook as we've learned more about his injury. Um, he's an elevated injury risk with a below-average health performance factor, especially, you know, a quick wide receiver playing through any sort of a quad injury. That's going to really affect their game. So, um, not looking great for Goodwin this weekend. All right, another wide receiver that I want to ask you about, Virginia, is Doug Baldwin in Seattle. Like, listen, he was coming into the season. Uh, he, you know, his, his self-diagnosis was that he's at 80 to 85%. He acknowledged that his one knee injury was going to linger, right? And then in week one, he goes ahead and injures the other knee. You know, so I, I first of all, I'm, uh, I'm laughing because I'm trying to picture how it could possibly look for a guy limping on both legs, if you can get that visual in your head. But then talk to me a little bit about this, Virginia. Like, what's the t- prognosis for for Doug Baldwin, not only for the knee injury he sustained last week, but, you know, the other knee as well, if he's kind of on the road to recovery, wouldn't it be prudent for him to kind of rest up for a few weeks and uh, try to get back to, as your algorithm would say, more than, you know, back to close to optimum health? Talk to me about Doug Baldwin and both knees. And also, if you, if you injure the other knee, you know, I've, I've, I personally have had injuries where I compensate for something else. You know, I've had two ACL surgeries on my left knee, and then my, uh, you know, my, my doctor said it, it's, it's not uncommon for me to then on my right side have knee or ankle kind of injuries because I'm compensating for it. Baldwin now is banged up on both sides. Is that part of this, like compensating for one side, um, risking the other? Yeah, that's definitely part of this. Um, so I'll start by talking about his left knee injury, which was the preseason injury. The team never came out and said what was going on, but it sounded like a meniscus tear because um, a lot of the time this is something that will linger if you don't undergo surgery to fix the problem. 
Um, so we had him at a high injury risk before week one. His injury risk is, of course, now even higher. Um, suffered that right MCL sprain. They're saying he's week to week. Um, we're showing he needs an absolute minimum of four weeks for this MCL to heal. Um, wow. The good news is that'll give his left knee more time to heal as well. But again, if you have a torn meniscus and you don't get it repaired, it's going to continue to flare up again. And really, surgery is the only thing um, that can that can address that. So very, very high injury risk right now. His health performance factor is, of course, poor. Um, you know, he's someone we said not to draft before the season because we just thought he was going to have recurring injuries throughout the year. Now with injuries to both knees, like you said, the overcompensating becomes a serious concern. Um, could be his, you know, quad or hamstring strains, could be his ankle, his knees are going to flare up. Um, yeah, it's just a bad situation all around for Doug Baldwin. Looks like Devontae Parker is uh, trending to be available for week two. Yeah, it looks like he's going to play. He got in a full practice yesterday. Um, unfortunately, we're still showing he's two weeks away from his optimal recovery time. Uh, there's basically no way that the fracture in his middle finger has fully healed. Um, probably making good progress, but it's nowhere near 100%. A fracture just can't heal in around five weeks. So he's still at a high injury risk. Um, drops are a major concern. And you just never know if a player like this is going to be a little bit tentative when they go out there, when they – you know, or reaching to catch a pass and they know it's going to hurt um, or they have a, you know, a slight risk of re refracturing their hand. We're talking with Virginia Zakis here representing InsideInjuries.com. You can't predict injuries, but our folks over at Inside Injuries do the next best thing. If you don't believe me, you can ask our friend Doug the Skeleton. Hey, Virginia, uh, we go from one Devontae to another, right? I think there's like eight different players named Devontae in the NFL, and they're all spelled differently. We're talking about your hometown Falcons over there, Devontae Freeman. Now, I have two questions for you on Devontae Freeman. One, he banged up his knee. That's what he's on the injury report for um you know so we know about that but another question i have so i I definitely want to hear the prognosis on that the other question i have for you as it relates to Devontae freeman a lot of people virginia going into the season were scared of drafting Devontae freeman because of his concussion history and his head injury history the question i have for you a lot of people talk to me about like because he has this concussion history that he's maybe more likely to get another one or that if he sustains another big blow it could be more damaging to him because of his history is that kind of narrative like medically correct is that true that you're more susceptible to concussions after you've had them is there any Thing like a threshold of hits that these players are taking before there's, you know, this, inf- you know, increased risk of, you know, future problems, the CTE, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, because unlike other injuries, you know, you get the surgery, you, you fix your elbow, and then you're good to go. But it sounds like people kind of think that there's a cumulative effect, the shampoo effect, if you will, when it comes to concussions. So talk to me a little bit about Devontae Freeman, first with the, the, the knee that got banged up in week one, and also about, you know, this concept that Freeman kind of is a long-term risk because of his concussion history. Yeah, so everything you've said about the about concussions is unfortunately true. And now what's scary with someone like Devontae Freeman is they become easier and easier to get. So it doesn't take that big blow to the head or slamming your head against the turf to cause a concussion. It can be something as simple as, you know, running in, running into the back of one of your linemen and getting whiplash. Um, so that's what's scary is it's easier and easier to get these concussions. And often the symptoms become worse and worse with, with each subsequent concussion. So... That's a serious concern for someone like Devontae Freeman that has a history of them. 
Um, so now for like me, unfortunately, because he had that PCL sprain and MCL sprain last year, those were pretty serious injuries. Um, he didn't undergo surgery, but they did force them to miss most of their off-season program. Um, so because of that, he was an elevated injury risk entering the season. And when you have uh, serious ligament sprains like that, it stretches out the ligaments long-term. And even with time and rehab, it doesn't ever get back to where it was before. So that leaves him more susceptible to something like this, where, yeah, it might be a minor knee injury right now, um, but he's going to most likely continue to have problems on and off. Um, he hasn't practiced yet this week. I think he's looking probably more doubtful than questionable. I think we'll see a lot of Tevin Coleman. Um, and I, I just don't think the Falcons are going to take the risk with Freeman this week. Ben Roethlisberger has missed the last two days of practice, but we might see him in practice today. How concerned should Roethlisberger's owners be about his status for this week? I think our, his practice today is really going to tell us a lot. If he doesn't practice, I would be very, very concerned. If he gets an unlimited practice, I think we'll see him play this weekend. Um, it's, of course, an injury to his throwing arm, which is always concerning. Um, he's at an elevated injury risk with a below-average health performance factor, so it most likely is going to affect him a little bit on the field, but we've seen him play through far worse injuries. So knowing his mindset, I think Big Ben will be out there. But again, I think we uh, need to expect a not a great performance from him. There it is. We're talking with Virginia Zakis over here of Inside Injuries. Uh, Virginia, I know this player is not on your list here, but I got to ask you the most important question. We have the changing seasons going on here in New York. My eczema's flaring up. You got any advice for me? I think you'll have to ask Dr. A next time he's on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fair enough. Well, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us, Virginia, letting us know about all these players that are really going to be on the fence for fantasy owners today. Come back and talk to us next week, all right? Yeah, thank you. All right, there you have it. Hey, Scott. You know, Virginia does a great job over there at Inside Injuries. We appreciate her spending a couple of minutes with us. Um, I was real intrigued what they were saying about um, both Devontae Freeman, how he's really a high risk of getting banged up moving forward, and also about Doug Baldwin. This this, This one knee could have been overcompensating for the other side. Yeah, it's you know that it happens. It's the way she talked about Leonard Fournette's injury. Like if you right. have the hamstring, you can re-injure the foot. You know, it's it's all of all can be a chain reaction. The knee bones connected to the hip bone. The hip bones connected to the thigh bone. Uh, Scotty, oh, I gotta let yeah. people know we're gonna be. There you go. We're going to be giving people in our next segment our against the spread picks. We're going to give people our survivor picks. And I want to let people know they can still go on over to Fantasy Factor. It is the only DFS site with exclusively single entry contest. It's a fun and recreational place to play with smaller leagues and flatter prize pools. They have a great free promotion like survivors. They got Super Bowl squares. And even later on, they got March Madness bracket if you stick with them for a few months. So sign up today. That's right. Go on over to fantasyfactor.com that is fantasyfactor.com hey scott you know i know you're on you're on social media a lot i'm on social media a lot i am getting inundated this week scott with people that are you know with trade proposals i say that people are sometimes over tinkering but to your point and you want to make this point again when you're going for a trade right you have to like have a goal in mind, right, Scotty? You have to be like maybe trading from a position of strength to try to improve a different position or you're trying to like get a handcuff or something like that, right, Scott? You have to have an objective or a purpose for trading. Isn't that correct? Yeah, here's the issue that I see with a lot of trades and people should really listen up with this. 
because if you can win a trade, I'm always, you know, for doing that. If you can always get the better end of the deal or rip somebody off, you know, I'm all for it. But at the same time, you have to put together realistic offers. You have to be ready to give up something to get something. And, you know, people come up with reasoning, you know, why, why uh, you know, they, they, they should lowball the other owner. Put yourself in the mental seat of the other owner. Would you accept the deal if you were going to make it? Uh, you know, don't start at a low ball point where you don't even have a chance. People don't want to give up anything to get anything. I'll give you two examples. In the Roto Expert Slack chat in the in-season exclusive edge, we have a 24-7 chat. Somebody said to me, I'm looking to upgrade at wide receiver and okay. want to throw out Sammy Watkins out there to get an upgrade. What are you going to get for Sammy Watkins? You're not going to get anything. You want to get rid of him because he's not doing anything. Why would somebody else want to accept him? Then yesterday, now look, Case Keenum is a high-end quarterback fantasy number two, right? You don't have mm-hmm. to give up a lot to get him. But yesterday I got a question from uh, a regular listener, you know, one of my favorites uh, on Twitter, and he said, I'm thinking of trading Dak Prescott and Doug Baldwin for Case Keenum. Why would somebody accept that? Even for Case Keenum, why would you accept that? Dak Prescott looks not even rosterable. Doug Baldwin could miss at least four weeks. You're giving up absolutely nothing. Why would somebody else even consider the trade? When you put together a deal, it's okay to put something together where you win the trade. But have some sense in it. Were you giving up absolutely nothing and you expect to get something? It's never going to work. Yeah, I hear you, Scott. You know, one of the things I try to look at is I look at the other team and I look at what their needs might be to see if my roster matches up with their roster. You know, or for example, I own one of their handcuffs, that sort of thing. So I completely understand your point. We make some picks when we come back. It's Roto Experts in the Morning. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back. It is Roto Experts in the Morning here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. El Rey de Fantasia and the spitting statistician getting you into the weekend. It's a football Friday. Hey, Scotty, um, you know, I'm checking Twitter during the show. Big shout out to one of our listeners, Steve G, out there on Twitter. Steve G always responding to me. He's always real nice. I appreciate the love. He's great. He goes, he says, one of the best pieces of advice he ever heard from the king was that he doesn't check his phone and how they're doing on Sunday, telling Adam Ronis this back in the day. He says he checks just the medicals before the 4 p.m. He said he used to be a slave to his phone, but now he just enjoys football. So there you go, Scotty, someone taking your tact, not sweating it out crazily. I also, listen, I can't do that. I was talking Scott, about that last night on Twitter. I'm sorry. Uh, I was talking, you know, people don't believe me that I don't check live scoring. 
until about 8 o'clock p.m. Sunday. They're like, you don't do that. You're lying. And when people who say that just, you know, they're too immersed in themselves and don't think outside themselves. Just because you do it doesn't mean that I do it. It's it's I, I don't want to get myself concerned with the other team's lineup because I can't control that. And live score, look, there's enough there's enough fantasy anxiety. I don't have to add to it but by watching live scoring. I just want to enjoy the games and at seven o'clock whatever happens happens. On on a Sunday night, you know, it's, people always saying. Uh, somebody said to me yesterday, he said, "You don't worry about like when the other team has Julio Jones and you have Matt Ryan to offset it. You know, you don't want to set your lineup based on the other team. You don't do that because Matt Ryan could have a bad game and Julio Jones could have a good fantasy game, and and vice versa. You can't control the other team's results. It's not like you can game plan to stop the other team. Just worry about your own squad." Yeah, and one of the things that, you know, I always will add to that is I'm on too many fantasy teams. You know, I have too many teams, and I'm, I'm invested in making picks and DFS and in survivor pools. So, like, likely the, t- the guy that I have that just went off that I'd be happy about, I'm also playing against in another league, you know, so it's all global. I, it's hard to say every play how it helps me on balance if I'm in, like, 10 different leagues, you know. But then we also have a poll question up, Scotty. All right, we're asking people of the home dogs in week two, which one do you think has the best chance to win outright? 52% are saying the Jacksonville Jaguars plus two and a half against the Pats. 22% are saying the Tennessee Titans at home in a divisional matchup against the Houston Texans. Hey, hey Scotty, we got a caller. It is Drew in North Carolina. Drew, you are joining us here on Roto Experts in the morning. We'll answer your question, but the first question I have for you is, uh, is everyone staying safe out there? I know the tropical storm or the hurricane is, you know, threatening the Carolinas today what's it uh what's it like out there drew uh i'm in charlotte right now and uh you know i'm i'm actually uh i just got back from work i'm sitting in the driveway and uh it's a little windy but we don't have any rain or anything yet it's basically just uh slammed on wilmington and it's kind of just stuck there right now all right well make sure you say make sure you stay safe over the weekend all right drew what's your question how can we help you um, okay, well, first of all, to give you a little bit of context before this question, because I feel like it, it bears knowing the crazy scoring in this league before asking this uh, sit-start uh, sit question. So let me just give you uh, real quick the bonuses for just big plays, okay? The scoring in this league is insane. Um, so... Basically, hold on, let me scroll down real quick. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's okay. You don't have to give us the exact numbers. You know, if you're telling us it's like a yeah. performance trade with bonuses got for it. extra yardage and stuff, you know, it can de- get the gist. Yeah, who are the players? No, just listen. Listen to this. 40-yard completions, 40 points. 40-yard passing touchdowns, 60 points. 40-yard runs, 40 and, 40 and 60. And then receptions are uh, 40 and 50 for 40-plus yard receiving touchdowns. So my question is, Kenny Stills or uh, Tevin Coleman versus the Panthers in one of my flex spots this week? I think I think the answer to that question is more based on injury than anything. If Devonta right. Freeman doesn't play, you got to use Tevin Coleman. Otherwise, I like Kenny Stills as the number one wide receiver. I agree with the okay, King Scott angle. I- 
I think it relates to, as Virginia said, the uh, Devontae Freeman health. If you have Tevin Coleman as a workhorse starting back because Freeman's not there, you got to ride with him regardless of the setting. Saquon Barkley's touchdown run last week was worth 160 points in this league. Wow. Yeah, Kenny Stills. Yeah, I mean, so, look, Ryan Tannehill's not the I best deep thrower, but uh, but Kenny Stills does have downfield gears, and he will hit him once in a while for a big play. And I've got fear of the Panthers' defense. Yeah, I hear you. Their front yeah. seven is strong. They they but you know that Cowboys' offensive line last week was also uh, not what it once was. It may be a little bit different this week. The Atlanta offensive line is uh, a little bit more stable than what we're seeing out of Dallas right now. Um, but we re- reiterated: if there's no Freeman, you gotta go with Tevin Coleman in that situation. Thanks for the call here, Drew, on Roto Experts in the morning, and make okay. sure you try and stay dry out there this weekend. Um, as we keep it moving here, Scotty, uh, let's make our picks here for week number two, okay? We're going against the spread, and then we're going to make our survivor pick as well. Um, I went two and one last week, Scotty. You went one and two, but that's all right. We get right back on the horse. Let me give you my first pick. All right, listen. Um, I Here's a theme going to, for me. is going to be teams that were maybe on the road last week and are coming home for their home opener against teams, you know, that are maybe on the road again, right? So for the first one of those, I'm, give me San Francisco. Give me the San Francisco 49ers against the Detroit Lions at home. I'll give the five and a half or six points. I think that San Francisco's loss last week was not because San Francisco was bad, but because Minnesota is real good at home. And I really... I'm concerned about the Detroit Lions. I'm concerned about Matty Stafford's long-term health. I'm concerned about the rumblings already in the locker room, them griping about Patricia and the way he was uh, starting with them. So the San Francisco 49ers minus five and a half or six is my first play. Scotty, where are you going? Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that one because after they look so fine. bad What's last your first week, pick? I don't think they're going to look, lose so bad, look so bad two That's weeks fine. in What's a row. Your That's fine. Cl- That's going to be a close game. Uh, okay. okay, what's your first pick, Scotty? I'm going to go New Orleans, you know, taking the nine and a half first Cleveland. I, I think they come back with a resounding victory here. Okay, there you go. I'm not going to give you my thoughts on yours. I'm just going to give you mine, and that's why we give our picks, and then we'll let our records stand for themselves towards the end of the season. That's what we will see. The next game I'm going to do is just the game we were talking about with the caller, okay, this Carolina-Atlanta game. I like the Carolina Panthers in this one in Atlanta, and let me tell you why. Divisional matchups, people always forget about how close divisional matchups are. And then the other thing that I think is underreported, people don't realize the impact on this, especially the public, is that Atlanta lost quite possibly their two best defensive players in week one. They lost Keanu Neal, their safety for the season with an ACL, and they lost Deion Jones. I think that is a big injury for the defensive side of the ball. Devontae Freeman, we just heard from Virginia, is really kind of a high risk. I'll take six points in a division matchup all day. Give me Carolina. And you got to take some points here if you're a sharp and you know what you're doing. Give me Carolina plus the six at Atlanta. Who's your second pick, Scott? I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys at home with the three uh, against the New York Giants. 
Uh, you know, like I was just saying, you can't base everything on just on week one. Teams will perform very bad in week one and then come back and perform much better the second week. I think it's a low-scoring game, and uh, I, I think Dallas pulls out the win in their home opener by about, you know, six or seven points. There you go. So you're taking Dallas minus three on Sunday night football in a division matchup against the Giants. My last one, Scotty, I'm sorry to tell it to you, but I'm taking the Bears on Monday night football at home against your Seattle Seahawks. It's three and a half right now. I think that defense for Seattle is not what it once was. Listen, I want to also get your take. They, they signed Michael Kendricks. Um, uh, yesterday, and we all know he's got a cloud hanging over him. Remember, he admitted to this insider trading, uh, but I guess, listen, he's still you know a free citizen right now, so until I guess he actually does get sentenced, sentence, it's okay. I'm taking Chicago. I think people forgot. They were on the road last week, and it took the Aaron Rodgers miracle kind of comeback and all that adrenaline to beat them. I think in their home opener, Brandon Marshall will do a little bit of work in the in, um uh, you know, he's got the revenge game, but on balance, I like the Chicago Bears minus three and a half uh, versus the Seattle Seahawks at home Monday night football for their home opener. So my three are San Francisco, Chicago, and Carolina. Scott, you're going New Orleans, Dallas, and who? It's funny because I'm going the opposite way in the same game with the Seahawks. No problem. Uh, you know, I feel like Chicago's offense just, you know, we haven't seen anything from Mitchell Trubisky to take advantage. Yes, Seattle's defense is not what it is, but I think, uh, I think Seattle has the better offense. I think, you know, the, the Chicago defense gave up three touchdown passes. They're facing another very good quarterback this week. I think it's going to come down to who has the better quarterback, and Seattle clearly does. All right, fair enough. So we're going heads up on one of those games. That uh, keeps it interesting. We'll have something to talk about on Monday when we come back here on Roto Experts in the morning. Yeah, Last we can make a gentleman's week, bet on it, yep. There you go. We already have a gentleman's bet on this game, Scotty, because you think Russell Wilson is the number one ranked quarterback this week. I said he won't finish inside the top five. I guess, you know, that kind of matches our picks from this game, right? If Russell Wilson is the number one quarterback in fantasy, your pick of Seattle plus three and a half will probably be correct. And if he falls outside the top five, I think it, Okay, and then it lends itself. So we'll talk about that. Scores 27 points, and Wilson's got to sure. keep up. You we'll know, talk so about that on Monday. We'll talk about that on Monday as well. There was only one time where we went heads up in week one. That was on that Pats and Texans game. Blewett had the Pats minus six and a half. Scotty took the Texans six and a half. Ultimately, it was Blewett who got the win. Um, Scotty, your New Orleans pick, you have New Orleans minus nine points. I was just staying away from that from the big number. However, the New Orleans Saints are my survivor pick for the week. I was the only one who got through to week two, but we're resetting it. It's fine. And I'm taking New Orleans Saints as my survivor pick. Scotty, where are you going in knockout pools this week? You picked the Tennessee yeah, this, Titans this, this, in week one, so that's the only team you can't pick. Yeah, so uh, obviously I, I can't use them again. Maybe I should do like yep. you and go easy in week one, week two like you did in week one, and uh, yeah, kind of go with, with the Chargers there. But I'm going to go with the Washington Redskins at home against the Colts. I'm gonna He's be going Washington. Scotty, I don't think you know, but I, I, do you understand the premise of Survivor? It's not about going being hard on yourself. I've played Survivor for many years. <laughs> okay, but I so want to have more fun with easy. it. I don't want to do the I don't want to do the chalk picks. I want to you know have fun with it and get you know do deep analysis. I don't want to do what's easy. 
Okay, well, it's about actually surviving and advancing. That's the name of I know the game what it is. in Survivor. But there you go. That's fine. Um, I am the only one still standing technically after week two. But it's, it, it's okay. You can have whatever kind of analysis we want on it. Scott, one other thing that we do want to say. You know, we're talking football all the time. But I know you are very plugged in, Scotty, to, you know, Major League Baseball. And specifically the New York Mets. And I know one player that you have had a special relationship with for years and years and years is uh, making something of a comeback story formally this weekend. It looks like David Wright is actually going to start a game for third base for the New York Mets. Yeah, it's going to be the final game of his career on September 29th. He had a press conference yesterday which basically admitted uh, physically he can't do it anymore. And I, I just wanted to say, you know, that fantasy sports is great in bringing people together, Dave. You know this. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've been credentialed by the Mets since 2010 and because of because so many Major League Baseball players play fantasy football, you know, I've become friendly with some of them. And no, nobody more than David Wright, uh, you know, I've developed a, a friendship with over the last eight years. And uh, more than any other athlete I've covered, he's a class act. He, do, he does what he says. He's a very gracious and, and generous person. And everything you hear about him from his teammates in the organization, he's truly like one of the most stand-up guys I've ever met in all professional sports. And, uh, you know, I know I'm going to continue to be friends with him through fantasy football. So, you know, first I knew him as a fan, but, you know, then I found out that he was even greater person than a player. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to say that I appreciated him both first as a fan and then as a professional and and then as a friend. And, uh, you know, at least he got to play in a World Series, you know, the one game that they won against the Royals. You know, he hit a home run and had, had his moment in the sun there. And, uh, you know, also respect, you know, a guy playing for the same team for his entire career in an age like this. I know you feel the same way about Derek Jeter. And, sure. uh, you know, I just want to wish him all the best. And, you know, real reward to be able to, you know, to work for who I work for and have that opportunity to meet David Wright and get to know him as a person. Just the, the, the nice things that he, he's done for me and my family. It's just like, you know, I'll always appreciate him even after his career is over. And it's just a, it's the power of fantasy sports. I would have I would have never had any friendship with David Wright uh, if it wasn't for fantasy football. Yeah, absolutely. So here at Roto Experts in the Morning and the Fantasy Sports Network, we tip our cap to David Wright. I mean, now, you know, in, in more recent years, it's been this idea of struggling with injuries. But I remember a time where this dude was an absolute lock first-round pick in fantasy baseball. I remember a time, honestly, Scott, where David Wright and Jose Reyes were both mm-hmm. first-round picks in fantasy baseball. And you don't really get that much. Two guys from the same infield being first-round picks. So we absolutely tip Tip our cap to David Wright. Um, he's going to be playing his final Major League Baseball game. He tried. You know, there's that old saying, you play until they got to rip the uniform off you. You know, and David Wright, I respect, has always tried to get back to do the game that he loved. He's kind of acknowledging now that we're at the end of the line. So we'll see him September 29th in his swan song for the New York Metropolitans. We tip our cap to uh, David Wright for sure. Hey, Scotty, the last thing I want to ask you about here you know and i mentioned it with drew our caller that was on the line he's down there in north carolina we got this storm Mm -hmm. barreling down right we got this storm barreling down on the east coast um we've talked about how like the snow isn't really that bad for offense because the running backs or the wideouts they know their routes and it's the dbs who really don't but wind is something a little bit different um 
To what extent? I know you don't check the, uh, the you know your opponent's lineup and stuff like that. To what extent are you going to be checking the weather reports on Sunday morning? Maybe about the uh, Washington Colts game, and uh, I think there's one other on the East Coast. Maybe the Tampa Bay Philly game. To what extent are you going to be looking at the weather Sunday morning? Uh, I think I'll be looking at it extensively. I was looking at it with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Uh, I can't get too panicky about it though, because we saw last week it not it ended up not affecting the game. And if the weather is so bad where they postpone it to when they can replay, when the weather is good, you may still get the numbers. So it's something you have to monitor on the go, and I certainly will. All right, fair enough. So make sure to keep it locked to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, to the Fantasy Sports YouTube stream, and all the way you get our great content here um, on Sunday morning to check that. And also check out DailyRoto.com. Go premium with them at DailyRoto.com slash betting. We made a millionaire last week. Maybe we'll make another one this week. Good luck, Scott, in all of your matchups this week. We'll be back here Monday morning, and I'm sure we'll be on the other side of the fence on Bears and Seahawks for Monday Night Football, but that's all good. Have a great week, Scotty. Roto experts in the morning. Fantasy Sports Today is up next. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 